Here, you want to trade me? Yes. Hey, w listen, you tell him from a small town, I still don't even know how to use a microphone. Hey, uh, we just shout at him. We just scream at everybody. Tent revivals, baby. Um, hey, we, we, are, we are excited about being here. Uh, we know one thing for a fact is that, you know, a lot of people got this mindset of, man, everybody needs to go into to urban areas because there's more people there and we're going to reach all those people. And yes, 100% people need to go there. But there are people in small towns also, and man, it just fires me up to see that there are people here just like me. Because I feel like a lot of times I'm a, I'm a little fish in a big ocean, and not, not many people I can learn from. So I'm going to learn from y'all as much as y'all hopefully can learn from us some way, form, or fashion. But uh, listen, the one thing I know is, is uh, we wouldn't have Jesus without the little town of Bethlehem. You know what I'm saying? And so we got it. So listen, one thing we know is that God wants to do big things. Uh, through small towns. Uh, he wants to use your church in large ways. Yeah. And so I'm hoping to pray in some way, form, or fashion that God will use us to help you uh, discover how to take your church into, into larger territory to make the, the kingdom of God bigger, all right? With a bunch of rednecks in Alabama, all right? <laughs> like me. So anyway. Yeah. Um, so what we kind of want to do today, and we're really, we're, we've really worked hard on this part of it, we want to share a little bit about how we've done big church and small town in our context, but then we really want to leave half of this session as Q&A for you guys to ask us questions about your context. And we, we really feel that the context and contextualizing what the content that you're going to hear is one of the most important things that's going to happen today. And the other thing we've done is we've got some of the smartest people on our teams and, and our staffs here. And so when we do Q&A, if we don't have the answer, we're going to throw it over to the smartest people in our churches, which is not the two of us. Amen. We're going to let them That's answer right. questions, right? I agree. Totally. We're just going to go ahead and tell them that now. And so um, let, let's do this before we jump into this. Why don't you share a little bit like Cliff Notes version of your story? I'll share the Cliff Notes version of our story, and it'll kind of give people some framework for where we're going. All right. I, I worked at another church for about 12 years. I uh, did college ministry, student ministry there. Uh, God did some fun stuff. Don't have time to go into all of that. Uh, God started stirring in my spirit to, to, to plant a church uh, at, at somewhere uh, in, on the globe. I just didn't know where it was. Went on a 21-day fast. Uh, at the end of the fast, there was an explosion in my spirit to plant in Coleman, Alabama the whole time. In that 21-day fast, I was like, God, please don't put me in Boston. Don't make fun of my accent the whole time. And they'll have to get a translator to understand Red Dead. And so, uh, so can y'all understand me, by the way? I'm hoping I'm not. So, I hope so. How many of y'all from the South? Throw your hands up. Oh, okay. The Bible bear. Here we are. The prong of the belt buckle. Uh, listen, so, um, so basically, I, um, uh, I, God called us to Coleman, Alabama. Didn't know. Listen, it's right up the road from where I was at. Probably about 45, 50 minutes from where I was. And uh, listen, there are more churches per capita in Coleman County yes. than any other county in the state. There are two churches on every corner, all right, along with banks and Chinese restaurants, all right? <laughs> and so it is amazing, it is amazing how, how uh, uh, you know, everybody was saying, like, man, that's all we need is another church. And the reason why there is uh, two churches on every corner is because most churches split four or five times, all right, and they don't get along. Is that like y'all's in y'all small town? Listen... So I didn't know exactly why God called us there, but I know now, and I guarantee it's the same thing for you guys also. What I've learned is, is that the smaller town, the more religious it is, and it's more works-based theology, and there's a place where, man, some people need some freedom. They need to understand the abundant life of Jesus and who he is and what he's about. And so God called us to a place to help people get set free from religion. Listen, the majority of people who come to our church are de-church people, been hurt by church some way, form, or fashion. And, man, we just help them tap into the good news. It's called good news for a reason, right? And so it's so much fun. So, listen, just as much as, uh, as urban cities need pastors, so do small towns. Right? And so uh, that, that's basically, in a nutshell, who we are, what we're about, how we, how we launch Desperation. That's awesome. So uh, our, our story, as far as the town goes, is very similar. My wife's here today, babe. Would you wave at everybody and just say, hey? Uh, we, when we started dating, um, I grew up a pastor's kid. Her dad was a worship leader. We loved the church, had a huge heart for the church. But she asked me really early on when we were dating, she said, I just want to make sure you don't want to be a pastor, right? And I said, absolutely not. I'm never going to be a pastor. I'm a living example of why you should never say never. And so we, we, had this, um, we had this huge heart for the church. We were going to college. We spent a summer in Cincinnati, Ohio, and we walked into what, what I would say for us was the first experience we'd ever had with a life-giving church, and it broke us. Like, we, ju we just had um, a really emotional experience in that service. We went in the car. We were like, what in the world was that? Committed to pray through it. 
and ultimately on the other side of praying through it, getting together with um, some close friends and some family members, we knew that God was calling us to go back to where both of us essentially had grown up in the same part of Ohio, Southern Ohio, and to play in a life-giving church uh, for de-church people that had left the church. And, And for us, that was a lot of our experience was we had a love for the church, but we saw a lot of our friends and our family that didn't share that same love for the church that we had. And so we went back to a small town um, where people said it wouldn't work and you couldn't do it. And we started doing church in a different way and God's blessed it. And so I think probably a lot of what we're both going to share today has as much to do with what we've learned not to do as it does with what we've learned to do. Um, And so we're just going to kind of tag team this thing together, share it. And our prayer is that uh, you'll hear some good things that will help you build the kingdom in your small town because we really, really do believe that God can do that. So, uh, Andy, I'm going to let let you share your, your first thing here, and we'll tag team it. All right, come on. Hey, listen, so we got we got four points we want to talk to you about today, and I'm going to take a couple. He's going to take a couple. And, uh, you know, the first thing we want to talk to you about, by, by the way, we're going we're gonna to start off with just big picture, and we want you guys to answer ask this question so we give you a little bit more detail with maybe some of your own personal questions because we've learned that you learn more when you ask questions because we want to hit – Hit your hot spot, all right, some way, form, or fashion. If we have enough time, we're going to do everything we can. First thing we want to, you know, encourage you with is embrace your limitations without uh, your expectations. Embrace your limitations without your expectations, all right? The first thing I need you to understand is, is you have got to start the way you want to finish, all right? Listen, all of us, when we planted the church, we started with a big white sheet of paper. We can do church any way. We, we can do it on Tuesday if we wanted to. We do church, which would be dumb. Don't do that, all right? But we can do church any way we want to do it. But the, the thing about it is, is you know, you, you want to start the way you're going to fi- finish. You, the way you start is the way you, wanna, you want your legacy to be. And so if you don't have anything to refer back to, you'll never know what you're compromising, all right? Compromise is a result of lowering your expectations. In other words, when you start off, you better have a vision, some way, form, or fashion, yeah. of who you are, what your church is going to be like, and you got to stick with a script, baby, all right? Because it is so easy to jump off script. And so whenever you begin to get off script, you begin to lower your expectations. You begin to compromise in a lot of areas that you were never meant to compromise because yeah. called, God called you to be great in the areas that you started off with, all right? Good. Now, not to say there's not going to be some things that change along the way, but it needs to stay in the framework of what your vision is, all right? And so you got I just want to encourage you with that every way possible. Um, you, are, you are only limited when you try to do everything, all right? Now, look, a lot of you guys are, uh, and girls are, are coming to, uh, by the way, in, in, in the South, we call uh Sprite Coke, we call it Dr. Pepper Coke. Uh, I call guys girls too. Anyway, so when I say guys, that's everybody. All right, so welcome to Alabama. Um, you're only limited when you do everything. Uh, you're only limited when you do everything. So if you're trying to do everything, you'll just be average or below average. All right. So you're here at this. You're here at this. Um, at, at this conference, man. You're hearing some phenomenal stuff. Like, man, this is some great stuff. And listen, if you try to do everything you've learned, you, you're just going to be below average. Uh, you're going to be average at, at what you do because you can't do everything. You're not wired to do everything that everybody else is doing. Okay? It's kind of like, it's kind of like, uh, listen, we, we want to be uh, Ruth Chris, not Golden Crow. You know what I'm saying? At Golden Crow, you can get a steak and a taco salad at the same time. That's just weird. And listen, if you're in Coleman, you can get a taco salad, a fish fillet, and you got to wear your pajamas because if you're not wearing your pajamas, you're not cool because that's what they do in Coleman. They wear their pajamas to Golden Crow and Walmart. It's really strange. Come to my town, you know what I'm talking about. Listen, the big picture is, is they all know what I'm talking about. It's the truth. Um, listen, the big picture is, is, is you, you have uh, you, you got to do what you're great at. Good. What are you good at? What are you great at? Yeah. And hone in. You know, I just talked to my staff just just last week, all right, just a couple of weeks ago, uh, about, listen, we're, we're eight years in. We're about to launch another campus. Or we, we, there'll be our fourth campus launch. And, man, I, I start to see ourselves getting stretched thin. It's like, man, we have got to get back to what are we great at. We kind of lost focus. And, by the way, it's incredibly easy. The things I'm telling you right now, or uh, it sounds real simple, like, like we got it all together. I'm telling you what I've learned in eight years. Don't do what we've done in some areas, all right? So do everything you can to stay simple and to do what you're great at, all right? Because then you can be great, all right? You can, you can do what you're good at. Um, listen, don't live limited 
Know your calling. All right? This is what I tell everybody. Um, Church of the Highlands is the Walmarts and the Targets of the world. Desperation Church is the Dollar Generals of the world. All right? <laughs> we go into every small town we can get to until I die. All right? And then hopefully somebody's going to take it further from where I took it. I want my ceiling to be their floor. All right? I want to do everything I can to pour in the next generation for my ceiling to be their floor. And so I need you to understand is that my calling is not Chris Hodges. All right? Listen, I'm, I'm going to tell you right now. He is the Nick Saban of church. All right? He is a freak. He is not a five-star. He is a ten-star leader. All right? and, and if I tried to do it, it would go over like a pregnant pole vaulter if I tried to be Chris Hodges. <laughs> I promise you right now. All right? It would not be good. And anybody that knows me knows that. So I've got to be Andy Heiss. And I'm not good at that. I do try to still be everybody else. And it is very difficult. You cannot be everybody else. Be you. Be the best version of you. All right? Because that's who God's called you to be. You got to do it. Um, you got to establish your vision. What is your vision? Make it simple. Our vision is encounter God, experience life change, discover purpose, change your world. We were starting at the very, very top with me working through our staff, and then our staff's working through our, our leaders that are over our Connect team, Dream team, working through them all the way down to the very bottom as, as we can get. Everybody through our church, if you used to come to our church today, everybody there should know what our, our, our vision is and what our vision means because that's who we are. All right? Encounter God is prayer. We're all about prayer. That's a whole nother, that's a whole nother app session. All right? um, we're, we're about experience life change, which is community groups, small groups. We're about uh, discover your purpose through connect teams or dream teams. Some of you have and change your world. We do lots of missions and serving. Okay, We can talk more about that later on. If you got questions about serving, that's part of who we are also. All right? um, then you got to define your core values. Who are you at your core? Who are you? Um, we have Honestly, we started with four and we've added a couple since we started because we started realizing like, these are the words we continue to hear, so we add it. So you don't have to limit yourself in your in your core values, but add the ones that you are. So uh, our, our core values are simplicity, generosity, family, which is something that just got just just got tagged on because we started hearing the word family so many times that we like that's who we are. Our church, even though we're we're one church, three locations, we're still all family, some way, form, or fashion. Everybody believes that. Uh, we're about unity. We're about fun. Listen, aren't you? Don't you want to have a fun church? Yeah. You know, and, and, and Coleman, by the way, in your little small town, I'm going to give you a heads up. You're going to get called a cult every day. Are right? you the snake handling church because you got skinny jeans on and velvet Chelsea boots? All right? you're a weirdo. You don't have Wranglers on and cowboy boots, and and you don't work at a chicken farm. So you're listen. So the big picture is, except for my brother Dustin, I got you, Big Daddy. Listen. So so what you got to understand is is um. Listen, you, you, you I, I, I wear it as a compliment to be the fun church. Oh, I shit, they just going to the fun church. Is that the fun church? Like, what do y'all say? You the boring church? Like, I'll take it all day. And so our other one is excellence. You want to be excellent in everything you do. I am sick and tired of the greatest organization on earth not being the most unexcellent. It's not even a word, by the way. There is, all right? God has called us to be excellent. Why? Because we represent the one that is excellent, who created the universe and me and you. And so we've got to do everything we can to be excellent. So please, in all that you do, be as excellent as you can, all right? Uh, and then the other thing I would say is surround yourself with people who have gone before you. Get around people that you can just blow their phone up, drive them nuts by asking questions, all right? I'm hoping some way, form or fashion, we can help y'all out with blowing us up, all right? Just not at 12 o'clock midnight, my wife be really mad at me, all right? <laughs> Listen, limitations come from an identity crisis. If you don't know who you are and you don't know your calling, you'll be everybody else. Uh, you'll be everything everybody else wants you to be. Yeah. Uh, you've got to know uh, your limitations. Limitations uh, come from an identity crisis. And so understand you've got to be who you are. I, I can't say it enough. Listen, every time you try to become someone else, you lose a little bit of yourself. Every time you try to become somebody else, you lose a little bit of who you are. It, you lose your DNA. You lose who God called you to be. And you got to be the greatest version of you. I can't say it enough. Be who you are. Why? Because you're great the way God made you. And go and do what God's called you to do. All right? Learn from other people, but filter it through your vision. Man, it's awesome you come to these things. But filter it through what you've wrote down from the very beginning. This is who we are. Learn from people. You, you better be a learner. You, you're going to slow down and get behind. You better be learning, but filter it through your vision. Um, listen, in, in small towns... We measure ourselves against the mega churches as well as the, the churches in our own community. You can't do that. You got to be you, all right? 
Quick, quick. Listen, y'all heard that all the way through. I just got through hearing Mika talk about it. I, he said a lot better than I did. He's a lot cooler than I am too. But the big picture is, is they're 100% right. You've got to quit comparing yourself to the mega churches and the other three churches on the corner down the road. All right? You've got to be the best version of you. All right? You know, Lane Schrantz, who is one of my overseers who works at Highlands, he says this. He says, you need to fall in love with the church you have, not with the church you wish you had. Yeah. Fall in love with the church you have. The biggest problem we've got is we can't focus on the moment. We can't focus on the people that's here because we're so focused on the people that's not here. And and listen, we, we there's a place where we should focus on people that's not here. But man, you got to take care of the people that's already there. And quit quit focusing on the church. I wish I had. All right, focus on the church that you already have, and then God will give you the church that you have that you wish you had. You can't listen. Just I hope that makes sense. Okay. All right. I think that. Right along with that, this idea of loving the church that you have has to start with a supernatural love for your city. You have to love your city like you own your city. Um, If you're taking notes, I just encourage you to write that down. I I really think that's a game changer. Uh, Andy, I don't know how you felt when when you got called the Coleman, but when Kristen and I got called back to a part of the world that we were from, uh, I don't... I had to pray that God would grow that supernatural love um, because I, I wanted to be in a bigger city. I felt like what God had called us to do as a church was going to work better and in, in a bigger city. And yet, much like your story, now, nine years into this, nine and a half years into this, you see that God called you to the place he called you to for a reason. But, but I think that you're really going to struggle in any town, not just in a small town, but you're really going to struggle if you don't pray that God will give you a supernatural love for your city. If you don't love your city, then you're not going to love the church that God called you to plant in that city. But when you love the city that you're planted in, Micah Pelkey back here, legend, who could tell you all about this, learned so much from this guy. And Micah, that's one of the things I love about you. You're connected with people all over, and you love Belleville, Ohio. How big is Belleville, Ohio? 1900. 1900. How many people do you have on the weekend? Come on, I know you don't like bragging, but tell people. 30-ish. Yeah, so it's it's incredible what God is doing at his church. Over 3,000 people a weekend in a town of 1900. And that's because you didn't always have that story, but God grew you to have a supernatural love for that city. And so I think if you don't have a supernatural love for your city, you're going to struggle to ever pastor the church in the city like God wants you to do. I I like to think about the story of Nehemiah. Our, Our church just got in our first permanent facility. We were portable for nine years. We just, we've been in our new space for nine weeks after being portable for nine years. And during that season where we were raising money and getting ready to take this huge, massive faith step for us, God, God really just let us camp out in the book of Nehemiah. And one of the things that I love about the story of Nehemiah is we see that Nehemiah was dropped into the city of Jerusalem and we think about Jerusalem like this great city. But when Nehemiah showed up, the city was in ruins. It was in rubbles. It was, it was in pieces. And God called Nehemiah to that city to rebuild it. And Nehemiah got a picture for what the city could be while he was standing and looking at what it actually was in its current state. You have to go back to your small town acknowledging that it might feel like it's in a million pieces right now, but that God can help you rebuild the walls of that city and do amazing things through that city. Our vision for our church is that we exist to transform the state of Ohio with the radical love of Jesus. That's our purpose statement as a church. But I want to give you a little picture because it didn't start out that way. It didn't start out as the whole state. It started out as Chillicothe, Ohio. little picture on Chillicothe. We were the capital city of the state of Ohio twice. We lost it twice. It's a blue-collar town with some white-collar jobs. And a lot of people in our town have that chip on their shoulder of, hey, we're down here. Don't don't forget about us. Town of 22,000 people, county of 78,000 people. And as, as we began to grow that church and do ministry there, God began to not just grow our supernatural love for Chillicothe, Ohio, but here's what he started to do. He started to send us people from other parts of the state that were 25 miles south of us, 25 miles north of us. There wasn't a relevant life-giving church in their town, and they had a supernatural love for their city. And so God started to send people from other cities into this town we had a supernatural love for, And we're getting ready now to launch our second campus this fall is what we're working towards doing. And let me tell you how we've processed all this. We've looked at who has God planted in our house that has a supernatural love for their city like we have a supernatural love for this one. Because what our vision is to go into the forgotten parts in the state of Ohio 
and, and plant life-giving campuses. That's why I'm connected with guys like Micah and Pastor Daryl, who could be leading this app session. He's doing something in Portsmouth, Ohio that's amazing, running 36 services a weekend. It's three, but it feels like 36, doesn't it? I just preached it for you. And, and what I know about both of these guys and what I know about Pastor Andy and what I know about a lot of you in this room is the, those of us that are going to do what God's called us to do are going to truly love our city like we own our city. We are going to say, hey, if everybody else has forgotten about this place, we're going to make sure we're the people, we're the light on the hill that reminds the people they're not forgotten about. And, and if God hasn't forgotten about them, then why should the church forget about them? And yet a lot of people coming to your churches feel like nobody sees them, nobody cares about them. And a lot of them in small towns are stuck in this generational mindset of like, we're small, we're insignificant, it doesn't matter, but we serve a God who loves to do big things in small places. We, we serve a God who has always done that. He's been in the business of it. And so I would just encourage you that, that one of the things you could do, just a real practical element of loving your city like you own your city, would be finding something that nobody else is doing in your city and loving your city in that way. So what is a need that your city has that nobody else is loving on, that nobody else is leaning into? How can you be the church that goes, and, and like Pastor Andy was saying, not trying to do 20 different things, just start with one thing. What is that one thing in your city that nobody else is loving on? How can you go and love on that area, love on that part of your city, and do it in a way that nobody else is doing? I promise if you do that, and if you're faithful there, God will begin to grow your influence and your reach. Just steward it well at every stage that you find yourself. That's good. Come on, Big Daddy. I need, I need to pen and take notes. Hey, listen, uh, establish a culture of care with other people that care. You cannot do this thing on your own, all right? You cannot do it on your own. Listen, we have got to create a culture of where we equip and empower people. We know from small towns, the mindset of most small towns is the pastor's job to do everything. Is it like y'all in y'all's town? Yeah. All right, we got to change that mindset. We got to change that culture. Uh, and honestly, that's not biblical. All right, you will be out of ministry before you know it if you don't start putting people around you and teaching them how to care about other people. Um, we will not do ministry for you, but we'll do ministry with you. Has got to be the mindset. We're not going to do ministry for you. We're going to do ministry with you. And if you could get that mindset, it's amazing how, how far you're going to take your church because your people are going to discover purpose like they've never discovered purpose yeah. before. And what happens on the inside of the church is going to go outside the four walls and God's going to start using it in large, large ways. Listen, um, if you love your dream, you cannot accomplish it by yourself. Yeah. And I'm going to step out and say, you're not going to dream by a dream that you're going to hate. God's going to give you a dream that you're passionate about and that you love. And if you want your dream to happen, the only way your dream's ever going to happen is if you bring people with you. That's what you call a leader, all right? You're a leader. you got people following you, all right? So teach them how to be leaders by the way they serve, how they give their life away, how they care for people because the greatest leaders are those who serve. You're the model. They're watching you do it, and you're teaching them how to do it, and they're going to discover purpose in the middle of it, all right? It's incredibly hard, but you can do it. Um, know your strength and, and weaknesses. Um, listen, whatever your weaknesses are, surround yourself with people uh, who have those strengths. Listen, I am incredibly blessed to have a phenomenal. This is just some of my staff up here in the front, and hopefully they'll, you guys can ask them questions. They probably know more than I do, okay? I've got, a, I've got a lot of weaknesses, and I'm blessed to have an incredible staff that has those strengths, and they make me better. Uh, and so, you know, um, one thing I hate with a passion, I, I'm a terrible counselor. I, all I want to do, I want to fix you. I don't want to talk to you. I want to fix you. All right? I don't want to listen to you. I want to fix you. All right? And that's, that's not good. You can't be a counselor and do that. All right? And so I tell people all the time, you know, everybody thinks that preachers, the, the pastor's the only one that can counsel. All right? I'll, we'll have a five minute counseling session. I know what your problem is, and you at the door. I got the next thing I got to do. All right? Because I'm no good. Right? But I got people on my staff who are absolutely incredible. I'm going to be honest with you. I called my staff in uh, whenever I was preparing for this, and I said, help me brainstorm on what's the best things I can help communicate with them. Why? Because I know they have things inside of them that I do not, that I can learn from to help you become better. That's good. Right? Because they're phenomenal, and I'm blessed. So I know what my weaknesses are. I got a lot of them, all right? And, and they got weaknesses. You got weaknesses. Put, put people around you that have uh, those yeah. strengths, okay? That's good. Um, the, the, honestly... Art basically teaches you to do small groups, dream teams, and serve days. Why? 
because we want people to use their gifts inside the body of Christ. Isn't that biblical? It's not up to one person. It ain't going to work. Um, you know, Rick Warren always says, and I use it all the time. I don't ever give him props all the time. I give him props today. I like, I like to sound smart every now and then, too. Um, God wired you to only be satisfied when you give your life away. God wired you to only be satisfied when you get, what's the American dream? Take in and hold on as much as you can. The more you have, the happier you'll be. But don't we live in a world where more people are depressed and stressed and full of anxiety and they got all kinds of stuff? They got, they, you know, they got the, they got the, 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 the white fence around the beautiful five-bedroom, three-bathroom house. They got 2.4 kids, whatever that means. I don't know if that's a pair of legs running around the house or a torso. I don't know what it means. But the big picture is, is that, you know, that's not what satisfies. What satisfies is when you give your life away. So we got to teach our people, give your life away because that's what God's called us to do. And that's how you change the world completely whenever you give your life away. Um, here's what I know. When people start serving in the church, they will see the importance of giving their lives away. And it's going to bleed. It's going to bleed outside into the streets. And it's going to be phenomenal. And they're going to come running up to you, giving you all the stories. And you, you, you're the one that taught them how to do it. All right? Um, you know, fear produces control. All right? Fear produces control. There's a lot of us in this room that are scared to death to give away our dream. And so we start to control it. And you're going to be a stressed out puppy. All right? You're going to be wore out. All right? It, 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 you can't do it. And, you know, we, it's, a, it's a form of insecurity. Yeah. And I'll be honest with you. Everybody always talks about insecure pastors. I think everybody in here is insecure some way, form or fashion. All right, let's just get honest with it. Everybody's got some form of insecurity. <laughs> but the big picture is fear produces control, and releasing control produces fear. All right? Uh, they ain't never been any guinea pig ever got anywhere. All right? In other words, they running on that wheel, and they going to the same place. All right? And so here's what I say. Step off the wheel. Get off the wheel uh, and trust God and trust people and, and let them run with your dream and watch your ministry thrive. Get off your guinea pig wheel. Quit running in circles, baby. All right? Let God use you in large, large ways. Listen, remember your identity in small towns. Um, in, in small towns, they're going to want you to do everything. But Ephesians 4 Chapter 11 through 13, I mean, verses 11 through 13 tells us completely different that it is our job as pastors to raise up people in the church to do the work of the, to build the church, to work the church. Let God use you in large ways, okay? So good. I, I want to, um, with, with my final thought here before we get to Q&A, speak something to you guys that I think has, has been a theme today. Uh, Mekon did his, Pastor Andy just hit it, and, and I want to dig a little deeper into it through the specific lens of small town. And I just kind of want to go there and be vulnerable with you guys and, and have a conversation that I think a lot of people in this room are struggling with. And, and I know that a lot of people in this room are struggling with it because I had the privilege and opportunity to do this last year and get connected with a lot of small town guys and hear that this is something they, they are struggling with. And, and I want to give you this thought. When it comes to looking at where you're at as a church, you need to focus more on measuring the size of your reach, not just the people in seats. Wow. Say that again. Measure the size of your reach, not just people in seats. I really, truly think we're living in a generation where comparison is killing more churches and pastors than anything else. Anything else. And we all tell our people, we'll stand up on a stage and we'll talk to them about filters and, hey, there's something going on behind that story on Instagram and you're just getting the filtered version. You're not getting the real version. But then we all go and look at all of our social media streams and we need to preach to ourselves in those moments and, and remind ourselves that we're only getting part of that picture too. And, and I think that we have to also understand not just our church, but the church, like the big church. I don't know if all of you are aware of this stat. If you're not aware of it, it's, it's going to blow your mind. Um, but 91% of churches in America right now, according to Barna's most recent survey, have less than 200 people every single week. And, and so there, there are a lot of you, not all of you in the room, but a lot of you that have already looked over that threshold. And you're running 250 right now, and you feel like a failure. And you are in 9% of churches in this country right now. And you, you need to reframe your definition and your version of success. First of all, whether you're running 10 people or 10,000 people, the only thing God has asked you to do is what Pastor Mekon was talking about. You're supposed to plow the ground you've been given. That's the only thing you need to focus on. That's the only thing you need to worry about. And so I don't need to, to look around and figure out what ground... 
Pastor Micah's tilling and what ground Pastor Daryl's tilling and what ground Pastor Andy's tilling because that's the ground God's called them to till. That's the ground he's called them to plow. The second that I start looking at what he's called them to do, I start to lose in that whole identity of having a supernatural love for my city because I think it's never going to be good enough. I think I'm never going to be great enough. I'm never going to be far enough. That's up to God. My responsibility is to be obedient. And so I have to be obedient with whatever calling God has put in front of me. But I'm telling y'all, we have to get away from this mindset. I mean, it is, if, if you ever at a church service ever have more than a thousand people come through your doors, you are in rare air. I mean, that happens for so few people. And yet some of us feel like we haven't arrived because we haven't experienced that. Let me tell you something. As, as somebody who's lived through some of these growth stages, the first one's breaking a hundred. And as soon as you do it, you want to break two. And then you break two and you want to break three. And then you break three and you want to break four. And every single one of you in the room right now is at some kind of growth barrier. And you know that the one you just crossed was the biggest one you were facing. You crossed it and immediately as soon as you cross it, you want to cross the next one. And that can be healthy in a way because you want to be driven to be everything God's called you to be. But if you get so hung up on that number that you start comparing yourself with everybody who's ahead of you, you'll never be able to be content in the season that you find yourself in. And, And listen to me. When Paul said that he'd learned to be content, he did not say he'd learned to be complacent. And there's a big difference. So you don't want to get lazy and complacent either. You want to be content, but content is saying, I know the ground God has called me to plow. I know I am plowing that ground. And let me just make this real practical for you with this whole idea of measuring the size of your reach, not just the people in seats. Something that that we have tried to do a better job of in our church with our context. I was that guilty leader, all right? And I was well-intentioned doing this, but I was the guy saying, this is going to be the year we break two. This is the year we're going to break five. This is the, that was me. That, that, was, that was what I did, that we put goals around that. This is what we're going to do. I'm not saying that's wrong, but I think there's a better way. And I think the better way is to start looking at the size of your town and how much of the population in your city are you effectively influencing on a weekend. I mean, literally, just, just think about this. We're getting ready to go into Easter. Look at your Easter attendance and don't look at it compared to somebody else up the road or down the road. But look at it and say, hey, based on who we just had show up for Easter weekend, what percentage of our town did we actually influence this Easter? Because I think what it will do is it will give you a healthier metric to actually look at how effectively you are tilling the soil that God has put in front of you instead of looking at everybody else and what their reach was. I mean, listen, y'all might, y'all might have your mind blown if you start to look at it that way and realize that you have a more effective reach than the megachurches that you've been following, that your circle of influence might actually be greater. God's called them to do what they're doing. He's called you to do what you're doing. And guess what? We are all on the same team. So when somebody wins, we all win together. When Highlands wins, the church wins. Okay? When, when, when Elevation wins, the church wins. When, when we win, when every single church in this room has the best Easter Sunday they've ever had, the kingdom wins. It's not your church. It's not my church. It's not his church. It's the church. And, and we, have, we have to lean in to that reality. We have to embrace that mentality. And I'm telling you all, one of the most effective ways you can do this and hold yourself accountable to it. I would I would not know you without Ark. I would not know Pastor Daryl without Ark. I would not know Pastor Micah without Ark. Y'all wouldn't know some of the people in this room without Ark. We cannot do this thing alone. Because I'm telling you, some of my some of my hardest moments have been when I have isolated myself and fed into this comparison trap. I need some brothers that I can call in my life that will help me check my motives and remind me that I just have to plow the ground God's given me. And so it's so important that you're in a room like this, but I'm going to take it one step further. If you want to help hold yourself accountable to all this stuff we talked about and all the stuff that's going to come up in the Q&A in a minute, what you have to do is get some names, get some numbers, and make sure you're not doing ministry alone. Live out the mantra of ARC. You're looking at people that are in a small town like you. Don't leave this room without getting a number from somebody that you can connect with and lean on. All right. Let's do some Q&A. We stayed close, man. 33 minutes. I feel like y'all should all clap for that. I mean, that's hard. That's hard for two, two guys to do. Pete's got a question. Uh, why don't you say your name, uh, name of your church, and the town you're from before you ask? All right. I'm Bryn Copperin. Um, my husband and I are lead pastors at uh, Providence Church in Albany, Georgia. 
So we've got about 100,000 people in our city, so it's not that small, but we're surrounded and landlocked yeah. by just r little rural communities. I'd love to hear your guys' approach to moving into multi-site and um, also how uh, do you do streaming from campus? Do you do a campus pastor? How did you make that decision? And how, um, I guess, really looking at multiple campuses in those small rural areas, how you made the decision is when and where. All right. Well, I'll... I'll if you got any specific questions, you just throw it out there. But here's what we do. Um, we, we're a little different than Highlands. Um, Highlands goes to where they already have people coming from that zip code. The most people, that's where they go plant. We go and plant where there's not a church like ours. All right? In the little small towns, uh, we're, we're the only church that's like us. That's why we get called a cult at every place we've ever been in Alabama, okay? And does anybody else get called a cult beside us? Hi, right, welcome to the cult. I'm glad you're here. We got Kool-Aid right outside for you. Listen. Uh, got some snakes waiting. It's all good, baby. Now listen, somebody gonna bring snakes. I ain't gonna be. I'm gone, baby. Um, but but we uh, we launched our first campus um, probably three or four years after we got started, and uh, we launched in Jasper. I always said, man, if we're gonna if I'm plant a church in Coleman, I would like to plant one in Jasper at the same time. So nobody ever planted in Jasper. So I was like, we go in there. Y'all don't know what that's at. I'm just that's a, a name of another city. All right. Um, but we made the decision because it's a small town. Um, you know, what we heard from from all the, all the folks out there was like, now we ain't going to be watching that pastor on screen, are we? Like, I can do that at home. TBN's got good stuff. You know, like, so we uh, we made the decision to go live, okay? So we have a live pastor. It was really nerve-wracking because I didn't really know anybody else that did it. Um, now I know a few, a few other churches that do it now, but we did that. And, man, it worked incredibly well. Now, there's a lot of... Huh? Same time, or like, did the pastor move from one to the other? No, no, yeah. yeah. He's over. He's a campus pastor, but he's preaching. He's taking care of that campus. Yeah. And uh, but there, there's there's pros and cons to both of those. Okay, <laughs> um, the pros is is that you know everybody loves our campus pastors. The hard thing is is finding the right fit. I mean, you gotta you gotta have a specific good somebody can bring it. Um, somebody that's loyal um, to the vision of the church that don't want to run with their own deal. Um, somebody who uh, who who who, uh, who loves the people in that community that, that feels called to, to, to small town, and uh, you know it, it's a it's very difficult. Um, the the you know one thing that we that we started struggling with though honestly is that the tithe at our other campuses is smaller than our main campus, and we still honestly have not figured that out. We're trying to figure it out. So one thing that we've started doing is we're starting to. We're trying to do like a 60, 40, 70, 30 more uh, simulcast now. But now that they've been pastors like Jake and uh, Adam here, two of my campus pastors, now they've been, you know, they've been seeing their face almost every week. And I would go out there every now and then and preach, but not enough. But um, that's their pastor now. So when they see me come on screen, they're like, um, I really like him. He's all right, but I really want to see you on screen. We ain't going to start doing that now. So big picture is, is um, it works good for us having live pastors and stuff. Um, and but we're trying to with, with this new campus we're to start. We're going to try to do more simulcast to see if that'll help us out some way, form or fashion. Uh, we we put all our we put our sermons together yeah. on Tuesday uh, together. Um, we I, I usually write it on Wednesday, uh, or one of them will write on Wednesday if, if I'm if I'm out or I can't get to it. Uh, we put our own DNA with it and um, use our own stories and all that kind of stuff. But it's the same message, same series, same everything. And I'm telling you, it works like a charm for us. Yeah. It's just hard finding the right person. So you better start raising them up now. Get your eyes out there. If you got a, if you got a passion to do what we're doing, and you know you're going to play in another city where there's five years down the road, you better start eyeing somebody now who's going to be your next campus pastor. Wow. Because um, they're hard to find. And you better figure out every way you can get them in. Wait, I'm sorry. I think they want to get you on on a, they want to get you on a podcast or whatever. Do you only hire from in-house or do you look from out-of-house or is it a common? As of right now, yes. We, we're, we try to raise them up. We've got a college also that we started. Uh, Holland's got all our college people. Is like no more. We're gonna we're gonna do our own. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Actually, I'm not. But it's good. Anyway, listen. <laughs> just kidding. Kind of. Um, so, yeah, you know, the Lord has really brought him to us uh, in a sense. So, actually, Adam was probably the only one I knew him. He used to come to our ministry when I did college ministry, the other church I was at, and uh, I just knew all about him. And the Lord just blew my spirit up. Like, man, you got to call. Him. He was our first campus pastor. I didn't have anybody else. And so I called him, and he's been phenomenal. I, I mean, like phenomenal for our church. And so, it's, so I've got one, but the other ones were raised in house. 
So anyway, so um, I would encourage you to hire inside. And, and that goes for anything in the area of hiring. Me personally. Because you want somebody with your culture. And we've tried to hire outside, and it's gone over really, really bad, okay? Uh, and so uh, they're no longer with us. Um, and so, because they really, honestly, what because we fired them is because they couldn't do it. I mean, they just couldn't keep up with the, so when you get people that's got your culture, that's one reason why we do a college, um, is because we, we, our staff has got to teach it part of it, because they got to, they got to grab our culture so that whenever they start, they, they just flow, baby. They, they're used to it. So anyway. Did I answer your questions, by the way? Did you need anything else? Okay. Hi, my name is Stephen Riley. I'm from Shelbyville, Kentucky. The name of the church is Living Spell Water that. Church. Shelbyville? Shelbyville. Oh, Shelbyville. Okay. I'm outside like, Louisville. Outside Louisville. Okay, come on. Got to say Louisville. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, um, my question is more of a, uh, we're located, 30-year church, uh, outside this uh, small town, 15,000, and then a couple other small towns, and so we're kind of in the middle of towns, uh, in, 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 in a rural area serving three counties or more. So, so that just focusing on one town is, is kind of hard sometimes because what do the other people think? You know, yeah. well, we're traveling 25, 30 minutes to get there. So, you know, how, how do you wrestle with that uh, kind of uh, maybe a, a rural area expanding? So. Well, I'll say, I'll say what I'll say and then I'll give it to you. Um, we really don't, we don't focus as much on, like when we talk about Ja we don't really talk about Jasper, the city of Coleman, and Arab, which is our cities. We talk about Marshall County, Coleman County, and we're going to reach Walker County. We're going to reach Marshall County and the surrounding counties around it. So we don't, we, we don't so much talk about a city. We talk more about a county. And, uh, you know, our county's only got 81,000 people in it. Uh, Walker County, which is where Jasper is, only has 67,000 people. So, I mean, it's a city in and of itself. And so we reach a lot of little bitty towns in there. Where we're fixed to go is, is that, you know, we're, we're looking at, this is the first time we've not looked at a county, but we looked more like at cities, what you're talking about. And so we've got five or six different cities that we're honed in on. The, this is, this, it's almost like our area. This is one city inside five. So you got to make all those cities as one city in a sense. Does that make sense? No, it don't? Okay, maybe I didn't understand your question. So your last statement, you're honing in on what? Okay, so we're fixing to move. We're, so we looked at the zip codes uh, where we've lost a lot of families because they just couldn't make the drive anymore. And so... It's North Jefferson, West Blunt counties. But inside those counties is Morris, Kimberly, Hayden, Corner, Warrior. That's five different cities. So we said those are the five areas we're focused on. And we're going, we're going to do everything we can to reach the schools inside those cities. We're going to do everything we can to hit the police department, the, the fire department. We're going to serve them like crazy. We're going to go in there. We're going to send mailers out to them. We're, we're going to reach those areas. And if anybody comes out from around those areas, then thank you, Jesus. But those are the five areas we're focused in on. Does that make more sense? Okay. All right. Yeah, here. Um, well, I just, I just maybe add to that. You know, in our, in our context, uh, we, you know, we look at the county, but we're also looking at the biggest city in that county is kind of how we're looking at it. And I, I think, first of all, you should be encouraged if you've got people driving uh, yeah. something that we shared with our church a couple years ago is why are people doing this because hope is worth the drive yeah. yes. and so if you're giving them hope and you're giving them jesus and people are getting in their car and driving 25 and 30 minutes to come to church that's that's huge but for us those became the first areas we started to identify as we should maybe take another campus there and so we really started to hone in on small group communities there um executive pastor matt's here today he started looking at metrics on how many of the people in those cities are serving are they in a group are they giving like those metrics that are going to make a healthy campus and then for us like the the two next cities that we're looking at are in different cities that are in different counties around us that are actually coming from the biggest cities in those in those counties and so uh, i would just encourage you if you've got people driving lean into that and figure out what you might need to do to to, to reach them better what we found is some of our small group communities there are the strongest because they're the farthest away from, if you want to call it the main campus, like they're, they're farthest away from that central location. And so you got to have really good, healthy small group communities there. And, and the other way that we've kind of relayed that, my, my wife leads our small group stuff, and we've tried to give those small groups in those different cities ownership of their outreach projects because we don't know how to love their city. They do. They're the ones there. And so we kind of moved away from this for a long time. We would say, hey, we're all going to do this. And then we moved away from that and said, let's just let each small group in their area figure out how can they love that part of the city the best, the best way. So hopefully that, that helps you.
Andrew from Harlem, Georgia Legacy Church. Um, about 3,500 people in our city. And uh, as you mentioned and alluded to earlier, a lot of times in a small town, you got a kind of a history of, of works righteousness, workspace righteousness, theology. Um, we're, the, we're the new church in town. Uh, we're the different church in town. Uh, there's not really a, a church that's going after it the way that we, that we are, um, that's doing a service like we are. Um, how do you handle or how have you handled in the past maybe some, um, not backlash, but um, little hard stances from the churches that are, that are established maybe 100, 75, 100 years? Oh, I know we on. both want to answer this one. Oh, yeah. this, is a fun one. <laughs> this is a fun one. Um, yeah, I mean, so first of all, if, if that's not happening at your church, this is a real bold statement, but I'm going to say it. If that's not happening at your church, you're probably not enough like Jesus. Yeah. Because, because Jesus did not deal, he did not take criticism as much from outsiders as he did from religious people that were hell-bent on making sure he was not going to wreck the establishment. And so I think here's, here's what I would say, though, real quick to that, because I know he won't speak to this, too. Yeah. You have to find you, you have you have to check your motives with this because here's the easy thing to do and I think we I'll speak I'll speak for myself I think we messed this up when we first started the church um, you have a choice as a pastor in your city to either build bridges or walls yeah. you have to make a conscious choice to build bridges but understanding everybody's not going to want to cross that bridge and so what I mean by that is still be the church that one of the things that I learned from Pastor Rick Bazette when when Kristen and I my wife and I did our art training. I, it blew my mind that they were picking random churches in Arkansas and praying for them every week before they had church. Like on a stage, just praying for other churches in Arkansas, in the city. And people would say, why do you do that? To keep us humble and remind us that we're just a small part of what God's doing in the, in the big picture. And so I think that if I were to go back, something I would have tried to do a better job at when we started is just make, it's when people start coming at you, it's real easy to build walls. And be like, we're being persecuted for the calls of Christ, and we're more like Jesus than everybody else. And, and listen, again, I do think that if you're going to reach people like Jesus, then you that criticism is never going away. But you have to make a decision that you're going to build some bridges. And, I, and I'll, I'll be real honest, we've been doing this for nine years, and I would say, you guys correct me if I'm wrong with this, I think it took about five or six years before other churches in our city actually started to say, we're going to cross that bridge with you a little bit. Um, but we kept the bridge there. And then they started to cross it, and and Siri's talking to me. Um, she doesn't understand. She doesn't understand any of this. So I would just say, it comes with the territory, and choose to build a bridge, not a wall. Come on, baby. Hey, listen. The greatest way to shut down criticism is stop being effective. Yeah. You will stop criticism. Stop being effective. The reason why you're being criticized, and the reason why y'all being criticized. Is because you're effective, and you move. You're moving the. You, you're moving the, the 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 sticks, baby. And um, here's the deal: a lot of people don't like um, don't like it when you're challenging them. Here's what's gonna happen: uh, we were like that when we first came in. We were weirdos. We were, I mean, we were serving on every corner that we could, and everybody thought like, "Man, that's weird. Isn't it weird that that people think we're weird because we're actually outside the four walls serving people that, as a church? There's something backwards about that." But, but, but the big picture is, is that when the tide rises, not one boat rises, but all of them rise. And so what you're doing is you're raising the bar for every church there, and you're making every other church great. And it's awesome to see, now that Ark has taught us how to wear T-shirts and go out and serve the community, we started noticing that other people in Coleman, Alabama, and Walker County, they started wearing T-shirts, and they're serving too. And so we're like, hey, they might call us a cult, but they're doing what we're doing. They're drinking the Kool-Aid too. All right? It's some good stuff. So... Here's the deal, man. Um, wear it as a badge of honor. I always tell people all the time, let me tell you the, where, where revival's happening. I tell you where a movement of God has happened. It's where, uh, where God is moving is the church that other church people are bashing. That's the one you want to go to because that's where God's moving. All right? Because that's what happened with Jesus. I mean, it goes back to what you were saying just a minute ago. Um, it, was, it wasn't, it wasn't the, the worldly people that hung Jesus on the cross. It was the religious people that hung Jesus on the cross. They're the ones that killed him. And we, there's modern-day Pharisees today that hate you because you come in and you, you're going to say you, you're tickling ears. But it's kind of funny we're tickling ears, but yet we're the ones being persecuted. But here's the, here's, what, here's the main thing I was going to say. 
Give them the right hand of fellowship. They don't shut their mouth. I'm just kidding. Don't do that. Listen. Here's what you do. Remain silent. Keep your mouth closed. You, you, your, your, your life, your church's life will represent itself. Let God fight for you. Listen, I can remember, I can remember in my, in my, in my office, like stress to the max because of that stuff right there. All right. Crying, like, I, I can't take it. I, I'm not a cult leader. I came, I went to a Baptist seminary and the Baptists are killing me. All right? The big picture is, like, don't they know that? Right, anyway, but the big picture is, is I remember God spoke to me. Uh, I could take you to the spot on my rug in my office where He spoke to me, hit my knees, and said, Andy, uh, number one, this is not your church. This is my church. Don't worry about what other people say. Keep your mouth closed. Let me fight for you. Let me go before you. I will fight for you. I'm going to close the mouths of the lions, uh, which is, um, I think is Daniel chapter 6, verse 22. I'm going to close the mouths of the lions. You remain silent and let me go before you. And I've called you to rescue people, and you can't rescue people by trying to go out and fight people. That you, you keep your mouth closed. And I never, I've never really said anything to anybody. I've tried to do that, but it's really, really hard. All right? But you can do it. And let God go before you. All right? Um. My name is John Mark Redwine from Asheville, North Carolina. Um, we're about 90,000 people, so a medium-sized city, but we have some small-town problems, one of those being that in a small town, anybody who's been in church knows every church and the reputation of every church and the pastor at every church, and a lot of them are coming out of those same churches hurting, and a lot of those churches have done a lot to earn their reputations and, and have hurt people. And so what's been your strategy to, to keep a culture of honor over the bride of Christ when you got people coming into your church wanting to tell everybody all about how the place they just came from hurt them? Well, I sent them through Freedom Group. <laughs> I'm serious. Like, I t I, it's what I, t I tell people. Like, hey, if you've had another church hurt you and you're here, um, if you come in with a critical eye because you've not forgiven the church you came from, then if the pastors hurt you, then I have no chance. I have no chance. If a deacon hurts you, then one of our leaders at our church have no chance. Um, if a Sunday school teacher hurts you, then one of our community group. Like, you've got to learn how to forgive. And I challenge them with everything that I am. You have got to go through a, through a freedom group so you can get... By the way, do much of y'all do freedom groups? Did I hope you do. If you don't, you got to dive in. Uh, it, it's, it's the best curriculum I've ever seen in my entire life uh, to set people free. But, um, you know, one thing I, I've, I've, I've made a commitment to myself, and I'm, I'm making the staff do this, Try to push. I just preached a message on just a couple weeks ago in our church. We, we are making it a, a stand that we will not talk negative about other churches, and we will not talk negative about other pastors. We will not speak. We will not call out names. Everybody else can do that, but I'm not being I'm not being the Corinthian church calling out. A, a, you know, I follow Apollos. I follow Peter. I follow Paul. It causes factions. It causes disunity, and we'll be a church that tries to move the kingdom of God because we're all one big C church. All right. And so you just got to really just, it's going to be a long process where a lot of people have been hurt. And some of the people may never get set free. But, man, you got to do everything you can to teach them, man. We're going to forgive them. We're going to love them. And, you know, so. Yeah. You answered it well. Right here. Um, my name is Robert. I'm from Fort Stockton, Texas with Grace Point Church. So um, going back to the multi-campus idea or what we were talking about, what do you all say about, like, because being in a small town, we're 60 miles apart. We're about to launch, a, we, well, we're hoping to launch one in January in a town about 60 miles across from each other, I mean, apart from each other. And they've also been known as, like, rivals because of sports and everything going on. It's just, I don't know if that's how it is over here, but in that area. How, what would you say about moving, do you move the, the pastors over there, the campus pastors? Because I just kind of feel like it creates that, what are they doing coming over here trying to do things Bring it here on. Pegas and, yeah. You know, it's like. Okay. I, I can answer that. I think I can anyway. So Walker County and Coleman County, they're rivals. Listen, Walker County, they're crazy people. Man, you got to have a passport to go in that county. Listen. Um, so this is the honest truth. They're rivals. So they played football five years ago. At the end, when they're shaking hands at the football game, it is an all-out brawl. It was awesome, man. It was like like WrestleMania, except with fists and black eyes and all over the front page of the news. And so... Um, so what we did was, so they canned them for three or four years um, from playing each other. So when they started playing each other, because I'd already sent a guy out there and, um, you know, we're like, that we're, <laughs> Coleman, the kingdom of God is bigger than Coleman and Walker County. And so the bigger deal is, 
And so we did a, a deal where we got the Coleman football team when they started playing again and Walker County football team, we grilled for both teams together and made them play games together, made them talk to each other. It was really awkward and weird, but it was awesome. They didn't fight the next night. I wish they would have, cause it was really cool. But the big picture is, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. Um, the big picture is, is that, yes, man, you got, that's an opportunity. I look at stuff like that as, man, I've got an opportunity to be a bridge between two people that don't like each other. And I'm going to do everything I can, one brick at a time, to bridge the communities together. And I feel like our churches have done that. I mean, Adam can tell you as much as I can. So, anyway, who is? Um, my name is Annie. Uh, I go to City North Church in Sunbury, Ohio. Um, so you were talking about um, establishing a culture of care. Um, how can the people of the church establish that around their pastor if the pastor doesn't feel like he can ask for that, I guess? Um, can, can I ask to do, to say that again? Um, how can, the, when you were talking about the um, establishing a culture of care, uh-huh. how can the people of the church establish that if the pastor doesn't feel like he can ask for that without sounding arrogant or you talk about like like the pastor asking the church to serve inside the church no just a matter more like how can you how can the church establish a culture of caring for their pastor or honoring honoring their pastor without the pastor directly saying hey you're gonna respect me and like without being a jerk about it like how can how can that be established without so basically what's your role in helping create that culture yes when you feel like the pastor can't do it i I, I get what you're saying so i think you you can actually help shift and set the tone for for that by stepping up to the plate and saying hey like you know there's that whole moment um where moses's father-in-law comes in jethro and he says hey moses what you're doing is not good I think that sometimes like we need people on our teams that are close to us to be like, hey, we can help you with that. We, here's what you can't do, though. You can't make your pastor take that help. That's just the truth. But here's what you can do. You can offer it over and over and over and over again. And, and I do think that in small towns, the care thing's a big one. This is something actually Pastor Andy and I talked about and joked about. I, I don't know if any of you have experienced this. We both have where you almost get this whole... Um, celebrity pastor thing like in a small town like man the pastor never comes and visits me or i can't do the wedding and and i think that like because we're living in that world there's this heart a lot of you have in the room of like i want to be the person that visits the hospital i want to be that's great if you want to do that you're just you're never going to have a church of more than a couple hundred people if you can't share that care and so as a team member you can offer over and over and over again let us help you let us help you let us help you and say it until he starts saying yes that's what I would encourage you to do. Just constantly make it available and let him say yes. That's good. Thank you. That's good. I, okay. Go ahead, All right. I got the mic. Um, I was raised in a very large town. All of my early ministry was in a large town. And I love being in a small town, but there's one thing I struggle with big time, and that is um, our church is not multicultural because my city is not multicultural. And I feel this guilt from that, and I just, I struggle with that. Oh, I want to preach on this for a minute. It's not that our people don't love, it's that it's just not, our city, Look, our our church looks like our city. Yeah, And so, first of all, talk to Mike Pelkey. Uh, He's done this really well. So, Micah, you need to hang around for Q&A. I'm setting you up, man. Uh, Let me, let me, this is is the, the quick version of what I would say to this. First of all, Spiritually, God's been dealing with our church a lot about this, and it's been very heavy on my heart, and we've leaned into it as leaders, and we're figuring out what it looks like. Here's, here's what I believe is, is biblical. I believe that your church should be a reflection of whatever diversity is in your city. I, I believe you can't ask for, you can't, you shouldn't do less than that, but really to expect more than that is a stretch. And so whatever that is, so I'll give you, in our, in our city, um, it's about 15% non-Caucasian. We need to reflect that diversity in our church. So what we're trying to do right now is have a conversation about what do we need to do 
to embrace more of that in our in our culture and in our context because I do think it's a kingdom issue. It's not a political issue. It's not a social issue. This is a heaven issue. And, and I think that what we need are more churches that will just step up and say, hey, whatever that diversity is, whether it's a lot or a little, we need to be a church that reflects that diversity. And so if you're saying you're in a town where there's like literally no diversity, then gosh, this might be a bold statement. If you're really wrestling with that, maybe, maybe you need to be in another town. Wow. I'm just going to be honest. Like if that's really stirring. But if you would look, I, incur, I, I find guys all the time that say there's not, but it is 10% diverse capture that 10%. And so we might say, hey, it's not, like for us, it would be, it's not Columbus, it's not Chicago, it's not Cleveland, but it's Chillicothe, and there's still that 15%. What are we doing about that 15%? Because I want our church to reflect heaven, and the only way it's going to reflect heaven is if we capture that piece of that that diversity. So that's what we're trying to do. We ain't got much time, but we're we're Coleman Coleman, uh, County in Alabama, is known as the most racist county in the state. That's that's the perception around, and it is really bad. Uh, my black friends will not stop in Coleman County, and they'll tell you that. And so we feel like we've got a calling to help with the perception of racism, and it drives me crazy. I tell you what else drives me crazy: when we try to do a praise song and try to get all the white people to clap, it's really really bad. <laughs> it, it, it's terrible, baby. It, it is. It, it, we need some so bad, and I, we need some color. And I, I'll be honest, I, it is. Um, it's really frustrating. I'm with you, man. I'm tired of looking at a bunch of white people uh, every single week. And, but I can't help it because that's, that's who we are. And um, I, I want to fix that. And so we're blessed. Uh, you know, there's, there's a lot more diversity in, in Walker County. So a lot of people that are leaders there, we're starting to bring them over to Coleman. And, uh, and hopefully just getting people mixed in and, and connected. And it's just, it, it's, a, it's a frustrating deal. And I know you're frustrated. I'm with you on that. So it's work, man. It's work. It's changing the mindset. I preach on racism all the time. And um, I'm hoping I'm saying the right stuff. But I, I think we've had people leave our church because of it. And I don't care. See ya. Don't let the, let the door hit you in the hiney on the way out. Peace out. All right? So uh, anyway. I love that that came up in this app session. I know we got to wrap this up. But let me just. That, that so perfectly encapsulates this mentality that we cannot be limited because we are in a small town. Yeah. We have to pursue diversity we we have to pursue excellence we have to pursue all those things because we owe it to the kingdom to give our first and our best in every single area and so listen has this helped anybody today i hope this has helped um, listen.